1: Price Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit pricepicks.com/play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at pricepicks.com/play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. It is SNY.TV's The Juice on the Cues podcast, covering Syracuse basketball, lacrosse, and football.
2: Today on the Juice on the Cues podcast on SNY.TV, we'll be talking about a shakeup for the football team and the start of the 2014 basketball season. I'm Wes Chang, and I'm here with Robbie Gillis, and our first guest today is Syracuse.com's Chris Carlson. Chris, thanks so much for coming on the program.
3: Oh, my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me.
2: Uh, Chris, I wanted to get you started on this one. Obviously, last week, one of the most turbulent weeks in Syracuse football history, at least in recent memory, especially with George McDonald being demoted from the offensive coordinator position. Uh, just basically, I want to get your thoughts and what happened.
3: Um, well, what happened, I guess, was, was just the offense wasn't particularly good um, uh, under George McDonald. There's some question in my mind over you know, whose fault that is. Uh, he looked to be running kind of a system that Syracuse wasn't equipped to run personnel-wise now whether that's all his choice or or, you know whether Scott Schaefer signed off on that decision like you'd expect uh, the results weren't very good and something happened after 18 games to make Syracuse pull the plug Um, Scott Schaefer hasn't really felt like telling us what it is Uh, he's repeatedly said that uh, he Week to week, he does whatever he thinks uh, it takes to make the, to help the team win. Um, so, so I guess demoting George McDonald falls under that category. Uh, he, he has frequently called George a coordinator who was learning on the job. So it is a little strange that it would happen during the middle of the season. It, it is a little strange that it would happen after 18 games, uh, particularly when Schaefer knew it was a learning process. But uh, apparently he saw something that that indicated that he just didn't think George could turn the offense around.
2: Now, the biggest thing about George McDonald's is he's an outstanding recruiter, and we all know that. He got Syracuse back in the Midwest and also in Florida, so he's obviously done a very good job putting together a recruiting class, but does this have any impact at, at the very least on the 2015 class, and will it have an impact beyond?
3: I don't think it had a ton of impact on the 2015 class. Uh, Mike McAllister, of Scout, who, who does a great job with recruiting, uh, has contacted most of the kids, and they've all said that they're still committed. I, I've talked to, to Sam Klausman of, of St. Thomas, Aquinas, and he said he's still on board, along with his teammate, Colin Byrne. Um, they're two of the offensive line commits, uh, but I do think you see a little bit more of an impact heading forward 2016-2017, uh, mm-hmm. uh, where you know, McDonald had done some working ahead, uh, he was you know, getting ready to probably use those South Florida connections to land some kids. And now, you know, Syracuse probably goes into this off season. If Scott Schaefer wants to stick with the approach that South Florida is an important place, they probably have to go find an assistant coach to bring on staff who also has connections in South Florida.
4: Hey, Chris. uh, It's Robbie here. Speaking of recruits, uh, on hand this past Saturday, there's a handful of them. How do you think the team's performance and the atmosphere against Florida State, did it make a good impression on on the recruits?
3: Um, You know, I I think probably uh, about average, which is pretty typical for Syracuse. I mean, the team performed well. And hung in there and didn't get blown out like a lot of people, including myself, thought would happen. <laughs> so, so you know, their argument that you can come here and you can be the missing piece, you can be the key player that that you know vaults us into competition with Florida State. They can still sell that dream to all the commits that showed up. So, so they have that going for them. That's good. Um, but you know, again, like. The crowd was 43,000 uh, out of 50,000 against the number one team in the country. Uh, there was a significant amount of that crowd that it, it was Florida State fans. The people who were there were, were, were pretty loud. But, you know, if you're a kid and you're going to places like Clemson, you know, where, where Syracuse will head in a couple of weeks, and, and you're deciding between Syracuse and Clemson, which is the type of battle that Syracuse eventually wants to be in, there's just no – comparison between those two environments.
2: Let's move to the X's and O's of Saturday's loss because, you know, obviously 38-20 close, but not close enough. They covered the spread, which was nice. But what did you think of Tim Lester's, the new offensive coordinator's play calling? Did you see an improvement?
3: It's so hard for me to judge play calling because we all grew up in this Madden culture where we pick plays and, you know, and they work. (laughs) Um, I I have a really hard time with that. But that being said, you know, there have been some games where Syracuse has played teams this year, Notre Dame and Louisville, for instance, where you've seen guys do things specifically to counteract what Syracuse is doing on defense. You've seen them run plays that have set up other plays. Um, George McDonald tried it some with the bubble screen that turns into the the pump and go. Um, You know, he just didn't have a whole lot of success with it. Tim Lester's offense seemed the plays seemed like they came in quicker. Um, they went downfield more, so there was a little there was certainly more variety in the offense. And for them to move the ball effectively uh, against the number one t- team in the country and against a significant talent disadvantage, to me was impressive. Now, whether that was the fact that Tim Lester's a significantly better play caller than George McDonald, or, or whether Syracuse, you know, just played better this game than it had previously. I'm not sure. But the Leicester offense to me looks good uh, for for a guy who was taking over in his first week it looked really cohesive and, and not like a mess to me. I mean just the <laughs> fact that it wasn't a mess, you know, in his first week I, I think is pretty good. So you, you definitely saw positive signs, I think, from Tim Lester in his first
2: week. Now one of the other positive signs had to have been the play of true freshman quarterback A.J. Long who came in uh you know Wilson got hurt in the second half, so he kind of played the rest of the way. And obviously, uh, for a true freshman, I thought he did a nice job, and I don't think anyone would disagree with that.
3: No, absolutely not. I mean, for a a freshman coming into his, a true freshman uh, coming into his career debut to throw two touchdowns against Florida State, you know, uh, really, to me, was much better than I expected and a positive sign. The, The couple things that give you maybe some pause for concern, uh, Tim Lester said afterwards that, that you know Florida State's defense was a great matchup for AJ with the things they like to do. They play a lot of man-to-man, and, and he thought that was tailor-made for AJ Long. And, and Florida State defenders afterwards said you know that they kind of played a vanilla scheme against Syracuse, not really worrying about the, the quarterbacks too much. So you know, before you go too crazy with AJ Long, you got to keep those things in mind. But the fact that he was out there, didn't look overwhelmed by the moment, was able to make some nice throws, and he still got you know three and a half more years in a Syracuse uniform. Uh, definitely something to, to be optimistic about.
2: Chris, we'll get you out of here on this one. Obviously, Syracuse needs four more wins to make a bowl game, and that would be great momentum for the program to continue the streak that it's had. But they're two and four now. Do you actually see them still? having an opportunity to get there, or do you think it's a little bit too little too late?
3: Uh, there is an opportunity. I don't think they will. Um, I, but I don't think it's impossible. but I think you know at this point, you look at Wake Forest and North Carolina State as games that Syracuse should win, uh, not necessarily will win, but but should win those games. You look at Clemson as a game that Syracuse should lose. you look at Duke as a game that Syracuse probably should lose. I'm not completely sold on Duke's talent, but but they've had pretty good results this year. And then all so so that that's got you at four and six. Um, so then you've got probably coin flip games against Boston College and Pittsburgh, and you have to win a couple coin flips. So you know okay. the odds of that are they're true coin flip games. The odds of that are 25%. So so you want to give Syracuse a 25% chance at, at making a bowl. Uh, that that sounds about right to me right now.
4: And, and both those games on the road too.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a tough setup for them this year. It really is finishing the season on the road um, with their backs up against the wall and probably playing two games and having to win them both. Personally, I think it will be too much for this team, but, but is it you know a realistic possibility? Yeah, they've got a shot at it.
2: Chris, thanks so much for coming on again today. Chris Carlson, sure. Syracuse.com. Pleasure to have you on, as always. Speak with you soon. Absolutely. Thanks, Wes. Always great speaking with Chris Carlson, but now I want to shift gears to basketball and welcome on former Syracuse basketball player, Matt Tomaszewski. Matt, thanks so much for coming on today. Yeah, no problem, guys. Super excited. Hey, Matt, I want to get you started on this one. Uh, just, just catch us up on what you've been up to since you graduated Syracuse, um, and we'll get to uh, some of the, your, uh, your past glory in a little bit.
5: Yeah, 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 absolutely. So uh, for a little while, I was trying to continue the dream, You know, trying to stay active, playing some b-ball, I uh, had a couple tryouts. Um, didn't really work out the way I wanted it to in terms of basketball. So I started to think about, okay, how can I, uh, how can I do something different that I enjoy? So I actually kind of stumbled upon um, digital advertising, and I've been working for a mobile marketing company since.
4: Okay. Uh, hey, Matt. It's Robbie here. Um, hey, Robbie. You you have to be one of the all-time leaders in Syracuse history with I think a career field goal percent of around sixty percent. Three-point field goals, about 70 percent. You know, numbers even Jerry McNamara would be jealous of. <laughs> do, do you ever subtly mention those stats to Beheim to try and get a little bit more PT?
5: Well, first off, I know Jerry pretty well, and I know he's not jealous of my shooting. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, you know, when I was when I was back you know, playing for Q's, um, you know, it was always it was always good. It was always fun to, to try to you know mess with Beheim as much as possible, get in his ear. But at the same time, you know, he had his eye on the prize, and uh, you know, I started getting a few extra minutes there, here or there, which was awesome. I think um, for me, that was that was a lot of fun. But uh, didn't didn't end up you know cracking into any sort of you know significant role. Um, but I saw a ton of fun out there.
4: On that note, of, you know, not, not playing too many minutes. What was the decision like to go from Tampa, where you're getting significant playing time, um, and and where the temperature is 80 degrees, to, to go into Syracuse, where you're getting limited time, and you get at least 80 inches of snow a year?
5: Yeah, absolutely. There was actually a pool in the middle of the Tampa campus that I, uh, you know, was probably I was probably sitting at when I made my decision, but um, it was. It was tough, you know, I wanted to to try to move a little bit closer to home. I wanted to try to, you know, step into some big-time basketball. Um, Got the opportunity to do that, and and I took it.
2: One of the things that you did after you graduated, and this is actually one of the first times I I thought of you after you graduated, was when we saw you play Brian Scalabrini in a one-on-one. Uh, and you actually you, and to your credit you actually scored I think three points on a game to 11 I think you were the only guy to score can you just talk about how that happened and just just your experience
5: yeah absolutely so Scal first off is an awesome dude and I, I recently ran into him again um, in, in Boston but uh, yeah so they had a touch and rich which is like a local um, you know, sports casting show had this had this uh, competition where apparently people within the boston region were giving Scal a ton of crap saying you know yeah i could beat you one-on-one blah blah so um <laughs> anyway they're like anybody who actually thinks they can beat them send in a little video and uh we'll, we'll call you back if we you think you, you have any any sort of chance so <laughs> i sent in my little my little stupid video they liked it they were like yeah come on down um i got to play a game uh with the first game so It was it was really good. I mean, I missed a couple opportunities. It probably should have been a lot closer than it was, but you know, he was he had his reputation online. You could tell he was definitely not messing around. I mean, there were some there were some bows being thrown down there, but uh, it was an awesome experience. Um, Wish I scored a couple more points. Wish my three was on that day, but I'd already been sitting you know a little you know a little bit behind the desk for a little while. So, but it was a ton of fun.
4: Uh, When you transferred to Syracuse in in 2009, they had another transfer there who would make a huge impact on the team. Did Wes Johnson give you any tips on dealing with transferring or anything along those lines?
5: Yeah, you know, Wes is is all, he's always been awesome. Um, You know, obviously, there was a little bit more hype around him transferring in than than myself. But um, in terms of that kind of sitting out here, absolutely. I mean, he was, he was the first guy to say that, you know, it's, it stinks, you know, it's no fun. Um, where you make it up is in practice every day, where you, have, where you have your games are in practice. And that's something that not only myself and I had to understand, but a lot of guys coming in as freshmen and, and even some sophomores that don't, don't get in, t- in too much playing time, um, you really have to kind of wait your turn, have, have your fun where you can, make it competitive where you can, and get better where you can.
4: And so you were teammates with some fantastic athletes. You know, we just talked about West Johnson. You got Dion Waiters, Fab Melo, Michael Carter Williams, all uh, first-round draft picks. But give us yeah. a name of a player that played beyond uh, his physical gifts. A player that worked hard enough to make a significant impact.
5: That is a tough question. I would say uh, always scoop. You know, scoop Jardine. Um, as you guys very well know, you know he's a little undersized. He's. Um, you know, not as vertically gifted as some of those other guys, but what he did uh, lack in those particular fields, he made up with smarts for the game, knowing, you know, exactly how to run off of a, a pick or how to, how to pop or whatever it was, how to run an offense efficiently, uh, always being a vocal leader. Uh, I think Scoop definitely goes to the top of my list there.
2: Were you ever disappointed you never made an appearance in an NCAA tournament game? It, it seems like you had a chance, maybe in that Indiana State, where Beighai may have pulled the starters and maybe emptied the bench.
5: You know, honestly, um, I think that you know it would have been fun to be out there on the court, um, but at the same time, uh, never look back. Really, I never think about those kind of things. I, I'm really fortunate to be in a position where I was, where I was able to play with next okay. to some of those really good players that you just mentioned um, so yeah I, I mean I never really I never really look back and say I wish uh, all I all I do is say you know I had a lot of fun doing what I did
4: well let's let's have you uh, take a look back one last time though. I know okay. that this is a, a question a lot of Syracuse fans have spent a lot of time with this hypothetical but we want to hear from your take uh, what would have happened if Fab Melo had been eligible in 2012
5: oh man I think I I still think we had a chance to win the whole thing but uh, there was actually two two times that our bigs went down. You know, the first time, obviously, was the random day. I think we, we could have had a really good shot at winning the whole thing there. But, yeah, Fab, you know, he's a game-changer, man, at seven feet and athletic and doing all the things that he can do and bring to the table. I, I think that, uh, you know, if both of those things didn't happen, I mean, might be holding a couple more rings. I might be holding a couple more rings. <laughs> uh, but, you know, things happen, and um, you know, we had to bounce back. And I, I think we we made pretty solid runs in both those tournaments. But, um, but yeah, definitely it was it was definitely fun.
2: Matt, we'll get you out of here on this one. Your most memorable moment, your favorite moment as a player.
5: Oh man, I think it was honestly. I think it was really uh, sitting sitting down, uh, either maybe at the on the bench or. When Bayheim was coming down, to, you know, put the walk-ons in, put that crew in, um, definitely some of the most nerve-wracking moments you can, you can go through. Um, but once you're in the game, you know, it's all good. You can, you know, you kind of put that out of your mind and you just play basketball, so that's a lot of fun. But, you know, in those moments where you're about to get in and you're like, oh, man, this, this arena and, and this atmosphere is crazy. These fans are awesome. And they're, they're waiting around to see us get in right now. It was one of the most <laughs> unbelievable experiences.
2: Uh, Today, Matt. So much great stuff, great anecdotes. We really appreciate you coming on today again, Matt Tomaszewski. We'll probably see you at some uh, future basketball games. Take care. All right, guys. Thanks so much, Robbie. That was actually some pretty awesome stuff from Matt Tomaszewski.
4: Yeah, it's always great to hear from a player like that. I feel like
2: they're always very honest and uh, you know always share some great experiences. So let's stay with basketball, and one of the most fun events I think is coming up on this Friday. Orange Madness. You have the Legends game where some of the Lawrence is going to be there, John Wallace, uh, Pearl Washington. It's going to be a lot of fun, and it really marks the beginning to the season. How much are you looking forward to it? Uh, I mean, not, <laughs>
4: not a ton. I, I feel like every year we like watch these things, and it's on ESPNU, and it's like it ends up like it's something that seems very exciting, but then when you watch it, it's like three hours, and it's actually fairly <laughs> boring for the most part. Uh, but I'm looking forward to the basketball season. That's of for sure.
2: Yeah. Uh, So, you look at the team this year, and there's another freshman point guard again, and then you have to really make up for the loss of CJ Fair at that forward position, but they do have Caleb Joseph stepping in, and I think the team is actually going to look a lot better this year, just in terms of excitement, because all the early reports indicate that he's a point guard that's going to like to run, and then you plug in a guy like Chris McCullough who figures to take over that starting role for CJ Fair. It's going to be more, I think, more exciting to watch. Maybe the wins and losses may not be the same, though.
4: I mean, yeah, they struggled offensively down the stretch, and there's no real reason to think that it's necessarily going to get that much better. I mean, you're losing 60% of the output from last year. Who is going to step up? You know, Cooney was hot at the beginning of the season, cold during the end. Who shows up there? They've talked a big game about Rakeem Christmas. We haven't really seen him do much, you know, on the offensive side especially. So it's really putting a lot of eggs in the basket on these two freshmen. And it's worked in the past, but every year I'm very skeptical that they're going to do it. And, you know,
2: again, that's like that's where I'm at right now. Well, I think one of the ways they're going to make it up, of course, we just talked about the two freshmen, but you, early reports are that Tyler Roberson is actually going to be that guy who makes the leap, that quantum leap from the freshman to sophomore year. And I think he's going to get an opportunity to start as well. So I think a lot of the offense is going to run through him as kind of one of the, the big impact guys that's coming back. So I think if you look at the team, I, I still think they're going to be, we've had unprecedented success. Syracuse has been in the top Ten to top five for the last five years, and there's been no Syracuse run like that. But I still think they'll be a top twenty-five team this year.
4: Yeah, I think it's right around there. That's what I'd, you know. I'd say it's a fringe 20, 25 team with you know a possibility of a Sweet Sixteen berth. Um, but obviously, the talent is there. It will be a fun team to watch. Uh, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that, seeing how these young uh, players go going forward. And you, you know, it's Syracuse basketball. You know, they will be good. So even if you know, this is a you know, quote-unquote down year, you know that you're looking at these players and seeing how they progress, and that's always fun.
2: And then you have that huge monster recruiting class coming in the year after. So even if, even if this is, like you said, a quote-unquote down year, there's just so much potential, and if the right pieces stay around, you're going to look even two seasons down the line, which you know, behind would never do, but we as fans can do that, and I'm looking forward to it. Robbie, we're right at the end of our show. Your closing thoughts. Uh, My closing thoughts are on former Syracuse wide receiver Mike Williams
4: uh, was great in his short tenure at Syracuse before quitting the team, (laughs) was great in his first few years with the Bucs before getting injured, and now he's on the bills and uh, reported by Syracuse.com that his agent is asking for uh, permission to shop him around. Uh, It's not a good sign when you're on this mediocre offense and they no longer have a need for
2: you. He did not get along with Doug Marone the first time, so it's not that shocking to me that it didn't work out there, but he's a tremendous talent, and I hope he can land on his feet somewhere. My closing thoughts are on Syracuse punter Riley Dixon. With Austin Wilson injured on Saturday, Dixon made the depth chart as an emergency quarterback, and Robbie, you may not know this, but he's actually tied for second on the team in touchdown passes this season. I don't know what that says about the Syracuse offense, but if you haven't already joined the movement, tweet out hashtag Dixon for Heisman. Uh, it reminds me of uh, being a Bills fan
4: for many years when Brian Mormon was the most popular player. <laughs> it's not a good sign.
2: <laughs> That's it for us for Robbie Gillis. This is Wes Chang reminding you that computers are mostly pointless, but that Yelp thing gave me a great idea on how to criticize people and places. You've been listening to the Juice on the Cues podcast on SNY.tv, and we'll
1: see you next time. This has been the Juice on the Cues podcast, part of the SNY.tv podcast network.
4: Why is Instacart the holiday rescue app? Because you can get all your seasonal decor delivered instead of having to drive to 12 different stores. Candles and candy canes? Delivered. Reese and reindeer? Delivered. Lights from Lowe's? Delivered. And since I know you're going to ask, inflatable snowman, delivered. So this season, stay in and get decked out. Download Instacart, the holiday rescue app, to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time $10 minimum per order, additional terms
0: apply. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day,